online and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. Welcome into the Fairways of Life Show, folks. Pleasure to have your company. I know we are marching towards the holidays, but we still have a couple more weeks of golf left in and around the world before, at least in our case, we're going to kick our feet up and, and chill for a little bit. First of all, uh, to the Butterfield Bermuda Championship, Adam Scott spoke to the media there, and he spoke about a number of different things. First of all, the fact that he's back uh, for the first time in a decade, the fact that is he trying to play into, to hold into the the kind of coveted spot, if you will, the next 10 or better for Adam Scott? Does he feel pressure because he's so prominent? Is he the favorite of uh, this week? And does he find it more difficult to motivate himself now that he is in his mid-40s for Adam Scott? How do you feel about the mix of players from around the world on his TGL team? He was also asked. Here's Adam Scott from Bermuda. Yeah, I think there were quite a few factors that fell into place that it really made sense uh, to play this week. I was close by in Boston. This time of year, I'm really not around uh, the East Coast normally, but there was the TGL announcement for uh, Boston Common Golf. That was great. Great fun to be at Fenway Park yesterday for the day and see every bit of it. It felt like we did a lot of activities around there. It was really fun. Um, also, I'm playing in Australia in just a couple of weeks' time, and after a fairly quiet period at the back end of the year, it's a good time to get going again and uh, not only try and play well this week, but um, get ready to be going in Australia. And of course, I feel like I've played fairly solid all year and not got results, and um, I'm not going to get results being on the couch at home, and it'd be nice to get a result going on the PGA Tour before next season starts and try and improve my standings uh, and get a position in a couple of these uh, signature events. Well, that, that's nice because then I get in those two and I, I wouldn't ask for an invite to them. But, you know, it's also a point where, you know, I have to balance uh, a schedule and being a bit older and I can't play everything and chase everything. So if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And I don't expect to be given invites all over the place next year. I'll plan the best schedule I can. And if I can get a couple of invites, that'd be great. But it'd be so much better to go out and win a tournament this week and uh, kind of get, get some result out of some of the work I've put into the game and the changes I've kind of made this year and, and go into next year full of confidence. I don't think so. I think it's a, it's a nice thing. Uh, you know, at many different times in my career, I've come to events um, as the favorite or world number one and, or in good form and uh, expectation being high. And that's kind of what I like. That's the environment I want to be in. And um, if, that's, if that's the case this week, I, I feel like, you know, I am the best player here and that might help me perform a little better. So I'm looking, I, I don't find pressure like that. You can feed off that expectation a little bit. Yeah, honestly, yes, it, it, at times, for sure. I think um, the, the year-round schedule makes it harder, you know, and, and my life has changed even from, certainly from 10 years ago when I was here, 
um, a, fa a family, my own family now, and uh, other, certainly other priorities to balance with the game. So, you know, that's always a juggling act. And at times there is um, motivation, but the, pa the passion is still there, that's for sure. And it's just about, you know, balancing all this the best I can so that I can, I can get the most out of myself in all these areas, which isn't, which isn't easy because I really believe you can really only be great at one thing. You can be good at lots of things, but only great at one. It's quite, a, it's quite an interesting mix, I would say. And um, I think the great thing is that we have Keegan uh, from Boston and bringing that kind of, uh, that's his hometown element and that, the passion of Boston sports into the team and um, he's kind of a hype guy as well. I'm, I'm probably less so, but uh, you know, to see his passion, to be saying he was representing the city of Boston yesterday was really great. And um, you know, hope, our hope is that this is really entertaining for everyone and that with some good results uh, from Boston Common, we get the city of Boston into the game of golf through it. All right, so it uh, remains to be seen how much these individual cities will be engaged in, in TGL and fairness because you've got a city that's associated with, which means you have an ownership group associated with uh, the particular city in TGL, but will that actually engender the passion, the support, the fandomonium in those respective cities, I think is a fair question to ask. And I realize m much of this uh, remains to be seen as far as TGL goes. The Annika is the is driven by Gainbridge at Pelican. That's the LPGA event that's going on in Florida this week. Annika addressed the media, and at 57 years old, she was asked about what this all means. Well, first of all, I'm super excited to be here. It's uh, it's like finally here. You know, we've talked about it for for 12 months, and really to see it and feel it and just hear it is just amazing. And you know, this is a dream come true for obviously to have my name. Uh, on this event, and I know Mike, an outlier, worked really, really hard to get it done. But it's a dream come true. And to listening to Dan and say it's a dream for you know his family to see it. So we're both kind of living our dreams. It's nice when dreams do come true, and you can enjoy it and see it. And um, no, I'm I'm delighted. It's it's going to be a great week in so many ways. And the field looks spectacular, and the course. I mean, Dan, it's it's your crew has done an amazing job. Um, I'm playing in the pro am tomorrow. I get to see the greens and really feel it but I've spoken to some players and, you know, they just really say some good things about it. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, I walk around here, I see my name everywhere. It's a little, it's, it's great. The branding is fantastic. It's just, it's weird when it's your name and you see it everywhere. So, uh, but yeah, very proud, excited. And I know that, you know, this tournament has, you know, been going on for three years, but I mean, I feel like the standard they're setting this year is, is already high. So, um, you know, it's going to be hard to improve, but I'm sure, you know, that you find something. But just, you know, I, I like to walk around and listen to uh, some of the volunteers, the players, the caddies. And, I mean, all I hear is, you know, just excellent words. So it's nice. 
Well, I, I love to see these young girls living their dream. I mean, it's I've seen some of them, you know, from 16 years back and just kind of see whether it's Nellie Cord, Alison Lee, Leona McGuire. Uh, you said 57. I'm not going to repeat all of them. But, you know, it's great to have them all here. And, um, you know, anything, you know, that you do and you see that it's working and you see the results, it's just, it's inspiring. And, I mean, that's, you know, Danica Foundation is, is one of the beneficiary this week. And what does that mean? Well, it means that one of the um, sponsor invites went to one of the players that won our collegiate event. Um, and it just kind of ties everything together. Uh, a lot of the players that we have in the Annika Foundation events, you know, they are the next superstars of LPGA. So to see it all come together is is really meaningful. We had a, you know, great session back here with the Women's Summit. We have two of the Swedes, uh, Lynn Grant and Maya Stark, um, to talk about their, their experience. And it's just really cool to listen to their experiences, their, you know, their, their first year and coming out here and be able to play. It's just, I don't know, it just makes you want to do more. It makes you say, okay, what can we do next? How can we get more of these, you know, these young players? Because they're great ambassadors of the game. They really do. And I mean, it starts everywhere from, I mean, parking lot, right? Uh, to locker room, to practice area, to lunch, you know, to court. I mean, it's just everything that they, you know, somewhat touch, you know, I always ask, you know, what do you see? Do you have that? And sometimes they're really small things that you might not think about, like you said. And so I like to listen and learn from them because in the end of the day, it, you know, we want the players to go home and say, you know, I'm coming back and I'm bringing so-and-so with them. So um, it's just small little things that, um, that they see and experience. I mean, in the past it's been, you know, caddies can't do this. And, you know, caddies is a big part of of a player's team, you know, so just listening to what can enhance that or the course or so it's just, I think we need to listen more than we talk. Legend Annika Swordstown, her event, the Annika at Gamebridge or by Gamebridge at Pelican is the full name of the event. Thursday and Friday coverage starts at 10 a.m. and runs all the way up until 1 p.m. You can find it on Golf Channel. We have it for you on Golf Channel on Saturday and Sunday as well from 2 p.m until 4 p.m. Now, Nelly Corda also addressed the media looking to repeat course putting, a uh, future of golf. All of it was asked of Nelly. I don't know, <laughs> but I hope it continues to happen. Um, I, as I said, I think it kind of reminds me a little bit of my home course concession. Um, and I grew up in this weather, grew up on this grass, so I think I have a sense of comfort on it too, and I like the layout. And at the end of the day, I mean, even if you're comfortable and you've played on this uh, type of grass or this, you know, in this type of weather, you still have to make putts and you still have to play well. So that's what I'm hoping for this week as well. Yes, yeah, so um, I don't know if I'm going to botch his last name, but Eric Dietrich. <laughs> um, I started working with him kind of just after Solheim, maybe a little bit before. It was kind of an unofficial kind of lesson. Um, I switched putters, I switched grips, um, and it's just a little bit more organized. I feel like, you know, after finally, after seven years, I finally needed to <laughs> do something with it. And um, I, um, I'm grinding pretty hard on it. I feel like I just have a plan now or I have tendencies that I know about that I can always go and do a drill and kind of work on those tendencies where before I was kind of blind going to a putting green, I did it myself. And what's your grip now? Sorry, uh, I'm back to conventional. Yeah, no more left hand low. For sure, I mean, if you have a legend like Annika, you know, um, her name's 
on the title of the the tournament so having her out here just the presence of her um is really really neat and cool and i think um it just brings a little extra to an amazing event to 3p uh no i'm just obviously there's pressure uh that i want to perform but i try not to think about it um really what i'm focused on today is going out play nine holes play a practice round work on my game and then eventually the first tee shot and go from there. I try to stay in the present as much as possible, even with all the outside noise. I think what excites me is growing the game, obviously. Um, for me, it's I've always loved seeing the little kids out, excited to meet us and um, for us to, you know, hopefully influence them to love this sport as much as we love it and why we love competing but um selfishly probably playing all the amazing golf courses that are lined up in the major championships and getting to compete and i don't know there's something about being for me going being in contention in the last nine holes where the rush of emotions is amazing so the and then obviously getting to do that on an amazing golf course and create history for me. You know, I feel like um, the game's trending in an amazing direction. And I feel like when we get put on these amazing venues and when we have, um, you know, Annika come out here and she's part of such a big an event, uh, big of event, I think that just uh, pushes the game forward for us. Nellie Corda, she will be playing this week at the Annika presented by Gamebridge at the Pelican. All right, so in today's golf news cycle, we already have a lot for you. Tiger is fine-ish. That story is still coming up. Breaking news that just came out a few minutes ago from Liv, which we're going to be sharing with you. Plus, we use that as a point of reflection on what we do and do not know about what's happening in the world of golf. And that latter point is very, very vast Indeed. The Fairways of Life show is presented in part by DeWiz Golf. Log on to DeWizGolf.com and see their swing modifier with millions of golf swings already recorded by DeWiz. It uses advanced technology and neuroscience to help thousands of users improve their swing. With DeWiz, you can understand the root of, say, your slice and get one of the most advanced tools to fix it. DeWizGolf.com. Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! <laughs> Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. In Ireland. Golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery. And visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Fill your heart with Ireland at ireland.com forward slash golf. It screams, it tracks, it's soft, it reacts. It is the Bridgestone Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover. 
Designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try Bridgestone's Tour Bees. The Tour Ball reinvented. The Gen 6 Iron is a culmination of everything that we have learned as a team. The absolute best golf club I've ever hit. It's something special. Say hello to the new PXG Gen 6 Iron. The longest, most accurate irons we've ever made. They go higher and farther than any iron that I have hit to date, and they're so easy to hit. Super excited for the consumer to try this. They're gonna love them. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Baseball? Nah. Football? Done it. I think I'm gonna go after the PGA Tour. Bo, you're gonna need the right equipment company. I think I got that. You know Tour Edge backs all their clubs with a lifetime warranty. I know. They ship all their premium custom clubs in 48 hours. I know. All their premium clubs are hand-built in the USA. I know. You know Tour Edge has won 35 times out here. Guys, I know. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One, zero, one. Gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The Wiz really helped me to keep that consistent swing. You can go out there on your own and just hit balls and it'll fix your golf game. Transition on plane. The Wiz, sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com. All right, welcome back to the Fairways of Life Show. Pleasure to have your company from wherever you are joining us. Can you hear it? Can you hear the bells? Jingle, jingle. It is the holiday season, and we were contacted recently by our friends and partners at PXG to remind everybody that their deals are pretty incredible. Take a look at some of the stuff they have underway right now, the first one. It goes until the 15th at 10 p.m. Heroes getting an additional 10% off apparel and accessories starting the 23rd of November, running through the 26th at 10 p.m. 25% off all apparel and accessories from the 27th until December 3rd, 25% off fall apparel and apparel accessories. Why not? Do your shopping right there and, and get whoever you need to shop for on your list. Check it twice. Equipment deals are pretty amazing. This is starting on November 22nd. You could see Putter Palooza. You could see the BR1, Battle Ready 2. You get a free M16 shaft upgrade with that. I'm particularly excited about these latter two because the very, first of all, I've played the Gen 5 driver. They're now available for $199. Think about that for a second. And the Gen 6 0311 irons are starting at $179. $179 for the Gen 6 irons. In fact, it is the uh, double black irons that I play, and it's right here on the set next to me. These double black irons are, are starting at 189. Now, if you if you took in, say the go with the, the chrome finish for for 179, how many irons do you have in your bag right now? Right? Think about that for a second. I would assume that for most people, because you're probably going to pick up specialty wedges, PXG, whatever you whatever you get for wedges. But with irons, I'm guessing that in a set, you probably start with a nine iron. Is that a safe assumption? So nine, eight, seven, six, five. That's five irons. And I'm not even sure with the five. A lot of people are going to the hybrids with that as well. 
So if it is the five irons, you're talking about under $900 to get your set of irons already secured. They do have the Gen 6 hybrids available uh, right now under these same savings, $219 for that. So great savings uh, on offer at PXG. Log on to pxg.com, and you can get more information on all of that. So Tiger said to the world, I'm fine, I'm fine. Uh, We have these quotes from Tiger Woods. Uh, This is courtesy of the Associated Press, Doug Ferguson speaking with Tiger Woods, and he was talking about his ankle health, yet it goes beyond that as follows, quoting, my ankle is fine. Where they fused my ankle, I have absolutely zero issue whatsoever. The pain is completely gone. It's the other areas that have been compensated for. But all the surrounding areas is where I had all of my problems, and I still do. So if you fix one, others have to become more hypermobile to get around it, and it can lead to some issues. I'm pretty sore after caddying for four days. It was a flat course, thank God. Close quote. Those from Tiger Woods, again, courtesy of the Associated Press. So that's in keeping with what we heard from medical professionals consistently relative to Tiger Woods and specifically in discussing his back surgeries, that when you have these surgeries, these fusions in different parts of your body, it puts stress above or below accordingly. And that they think that those areas will eventually uh, feel the strain to what extent remains to be seen. But that from Tiger Woods, because with Tiger caddying for his son, Charlie, in these videos that you can see from the Nota Begay uh, Jr. event, uh, there, there was a great deal of buzz and speculation and talk about what Tiger Woods may or may not be up to. And the general observations that are saying that Tiger there on the left of that video looked like he was walking better than the times that we have seen him more recently. So what does that all mean for Tiger Woods? It remains to be seen. As I mentioned, uh, while we came on the air this morning, there was breaking news from Live Golf. Title of their press release reading, Live Golf launches sports first ever transfer window with player movement free agency and new team rosters for 2024 Uh, subtitle says league brings new elements to professional golf as momentum builds for next season. Now, as we've told you before, and even when Andy Ogletree was on and talking to us about his pathway back to live, there are different zones that they have. The lock zone players finishing in the top 24. They secure an opportunity in the league next season. The open Zone players finishing 25 to 44 whose contracts are expiring become free agents, and then the drop zone players finishing 45 and below are relegated out of the league and automatically qualify for Live Golf Promotions event for the chance to earn their spot back next season. So, the contract extensions that are being offered. This is for the top 24 players who finish in the top 24 lock zone of the individual standings, the conclusion of the regular season guaranteed an opportunity to play in the 24 live golf season. In phase one currently underway, the players in the top 24 as contracts expire at the end of 23 are offered a minimum one year contract extension by their existing team. The five players who are extension eligible are Peter Uline and Rabana Lahiri Carlos Ortiz, Richard Bland, Scott Vincent, those are the five. If a player in this group decides not to accept an offer from his current team, he will become a free agent 
and may be signed by another team with an open roster spot. A phase two, the free agency that we we're, I just mentioned to you. It, and this phase two marks the start of their free agency at large, in addition to any top 24 player who may opt to become a free agent. The players who finish 25th to 44th in the so-called open zone, whose contracts also expire at the end of this year, they are free agents. These players may be re-signed by their previous team or can negotiate a contract with another team that has an open roster spot. Again, players who finished in the open zone are no longer under contract. Pat Perez, David Pugh, Matt Jones, Bernd Wiesberger, Graham McDowell. Teams are not obligated to re-sign their free agents in the open zone and can instead create an open roster spot. Teams with open spots have the option to do the following. Sign a top 24 player who opted into the free agency. Sign any player in the open zone whose contract has expired. Sign or trade a player contracted with a different team if agreed upon by both teams. Note, a team may not recruit a player under contract with another team unless it has received permission from the player's team to do so. And then finally, sign an external player who was not a regular member of any 2023 live golf team roster. And then there's, there's a little asterisk on that when it says, no players must meet a minimum criteria determined by live golf to ensure the competitive integrity of the league. Free agency will conclude when four league roster spots remain. These spots are reserved for the winner of the international series rankings and the top three finishers from the live golf promotions. Phase three. Speaking of, Live Golf Promotions. Live Golf Promotions present an exciting pathway for the world's leading amateur and professional golfers to play in the Live Golf League in 2024. The inaugural tournament will be staged December 8th to 10th at the iconic Abu Dhabi Golf Club in the United Arab Emirates with four rounds of golf played over three days, including 36 holes in the final day. Live Golf Promotions will offer overall prize money of $1.5 million, and the top three finishers will earn a place in one of Live Golf's teams next season and exemption into all 14 Live Golf League events for 24. Highlighting the global aspect of the Live Golf League, leading players from all over the world will be eligible to participate. In addition, regulated players finishing 45th and below in the 23 Live Golf League standings, the drop zone, and those without a team contract for 24 who finished in the open zone also with the opportunity to regain their playing rights for 2024. The deadline for players to register is November 20th. Interesting stuff. Okay, and then the final piece here is trades and draft. Throughout the offseason, teams may trade players from their current rosters, providing the trade is approved by both teams. To support opportunities for teams to strengthen their rosters once the season has begun, a mid-season trading window will take place in 2024. Exact dates to be announced. Where teams and players will be free to negotiate trades as well as extensions to their existing contracts if a player is in the last year of his contract. Following Live Golf Promotions, the league will host the Live Golf Draft through which the winner of the International Series rankings and the top three finishers in the Live Golf Promotions will be drafted into the remaining teams that have an open spot on their roster. Additional details on the timing and format will be released in due course. Live Golf is owned and operated by Live Golf Investments, whose vision and mission 
are centered around making holistic and sustainable investments to enhance the global golf ecosystem and unlock the sport's untapped worldwide potential. All right, that press release just came out from Live Golf this morning. That's why we featured it in such detail. Uh, it is, and it does raise some interesting questions here. I'm Dom, I'm curious what your reaction to this as well. So where they talk about, I'm gonna. This is under the trades and draft. The last paragraph, sec, the last uh, section, the second paragraph. Following Live Golf Promotions, the league will host the Live Golf Draft, through which the winner of the International Series rankings and the top three finishers of the Live Golf Promotions will be drafted into the remaining teams that have an open spot in the roster. Additional details and timing and format will be released in due course. Mike, my, my question is, what does that mean for for someone like who we just had on, Andy Ogletree? We know that Andy was in communications with a couple teams. We know uh, from sources that he was talking with, uh, with Brooks Kepka's team, that he was talking with uh, Phil Mickelson's team. Is he a player, for example, that can be signed to one of those teams by virtue of what he's accomplished? Or does he have to wait for one of these formal opportunities to happen and hope that the team that he wants to go on left a spot for him? What are your thoughts on that? My understanding is, speaking to the sources that I spoke to, there is a period of time where he can sign with Phil's team or Brooks' team prior to this second phase of free agency where it would be sort of an open market situation. So I actually do believe he can sign with a team right now. But I believe that date, if my memory serves from the conversations I have with my sources, I think it's like November 16th-ish is if he doesn't have a contract in place with the team by that date, it then becomes sort of an open market free agency situation for him. There's a couple things here that I think are interesting and a little confusing. First of all, let me say I freaking love this. I love that there is an off-season, quote-unquote, in golf, at least on the live side, and I love the idea of incorporating essentially what takes place on every other major sport practically in the entire world where you have a, you have a, a transfer period in, in soccer or football for most of the people watching. You've got the NBA, you've got the NFL, you've got offseason, you've got trades, you've got free agency. It's all the same stuff that we're talking about. It happens in every other sport. And I really think it's cool that it's happening here. It also opens up the possibility for some fun discussions around players and trades and who should go in and who should go out. I think it's fascinating. I think it's a great idea, and I love that they're incorporating it. However, there's a lot of things that don't make sense to me. For example, and maybe, and, and this is, again, everybody's got growing pains, right? This is a whole new system they're doing. This is still a new league. They're trying to probably work out the kinks. But I'll give you one specific example, Matt, of something that doesn't make sense to me. If at the end of this press release, this just came out, folks. This press release crossed the wire like less than an hour ago. This is all fresh news. It says that they have to leave once the free agency period ends. I'm trying to find the exact quote. But essentially what it says is once the free agency period ends, they, it ends when there are four available slots for the three guys who who are in the top three in the Live Golf Promotions event taking place in December at Abu Dhabi and for the International Series winner, who is Andy Ogletree, who's going to be Andy Ogletree. What doesn't make sense to me is, like any other sport, you can't guarantee four open slots on four random teams. 
So to me, it makes me feel like, okay, so does that mean that the, that the league is going to have to tell a team, no, 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 you can't sign this guy. You've got to leave an open spot for this live promotions guy. Because think about and it this which way. Which team is going to be told if that? You're, that's my point. But, but, but let, me, let me play out my scenario. I want to see if, if what I'm saying, if you agree with what I'm saying, if it makes sense. Well, let's say you've got, I don't even know how many teams. Do we, how many teams are on the league? 18? I don't even know. Don't remember. You remember how many teams there are? 12, right, is it? So the, the, I don't know. Let's say 12. So if the four aces have an open spot because Pat Perez is a free agent, let's say they want to fill that spot with uh, another player, a friend of DJ's who's qualified. Okay, fine. So they fill the slot. Well, let's say the cliques have an open spot. Graham McDowell is a free agent or whatever. Oh, they're going to replace him with somebody else. All right, fine. They, they replace him with somebody else. Well, now you've got all the slots filled. They're, they're saying that you have to have four open slots when free agency is over. Well, what if everybody, what if all the captains, Bubba, what if everybody's like, no, I know who I want. I've already signed my guys. I already got my, the four. I don't want the guy who won the promotions event. Somebody's going to get screwed with that person. And the other part of this, Matt, that I'd like to know more about is how they're doing this financially the same way you would for the... They don't have a cap. So what? Can they sign anybody they want? A salary cap is what I'm referencing. Can they sign anybody they want? Does it have to do with which team has raised the most money? And they can chase whoever they want to sell. Like, there's a lot of uh, massive speculation that John Rahm is leaving. Or, or there's been speculation for some other players as well. I've heard a lot of names. Well, what happens? Well, they got to sign a deal and they get X amount of dollars from X amount of... Well, what if the cliques can't afford the guy? Is there a salary cap? Is there a limit? Does someone have to approve or disapprove? Well, so there's, just, just to again, be, I love this. I think it's great, but there's a lot of things I don't that I don't understand. But here, it, just so we don't confuse things here, if, if you had a prominent player, a very very prominent player that wanted to come to live, just like Phil Mickelson, who the speculation was that he got what two hundred million dollars. Uh, Brooks Kepka told us that he got one hundred and thirty million dollars to go to live. That's a different pool of money than what we're talking about. Uh, however, their press release references contracts multiple times. Uh, I looked it up. Oxford Dic Dic Dictionary has contract defined as a written or spoken agreement, especially one concerning employment, sales, or tenancy that is intended to be enforceable by law, meaning that uh, there's a quid pro quo there that there has to be another pool of money. So to your question of, how much money, how much can they afford? The presumption would be that at a team level, compared to these massive dollars that they paid out for these very, very prominent players to come to live to essentially establish the league, that the team money would be somewhat less, at least at this time, as they are starting to build it. There was another thing that I thought was fascinating, too, along the lines of what we're talking about. And that was when they were talking about live golf promotions. And when they were, were saying that those who finished in the open zone, out, and I'll read their line to it. It's within that second paragraph. Those without a team contract for 2024 who finished in the open zone also have the opportunity to regain their playing rights for 2024. If you go back to the top and the open zone is defined as players finishing 25th to 44 whose contracts are expiring become free agents 
players finishing 25th to 44. So I know that Liv has limited fields, but you're talking about a player that may have finished as low as 26. The reality is the players whose contracts are are up includes one that is 28th in Pat Perez, right? And then you go all the way to where you were talking about Graham McDowell at 42nd who had been playing on the cliques. So what it's suggesting here, and we asked Andy about this when he was with us because we're, we're trying to figure it out too. It's, it's clear now when you see this, because Andy said it in fairness to him, but I still wasn't sure that it was 100% the way it was going because he was still trying to figure it out and he told us that. That if you're in that area and you don't get signed to a team, you're out. You have to go back. You could, again, Pat Perez is 28th. You have to go to the Live Golf Promotions event and try to fight your way back in through one of those three spots, which that is a lot of ketchup to get out of the bottle to have just those three spots. So it is, you know, when you talk about it, it's actually pretty brutal with the way they've got this set up. It's it's pretty cutthroat. And the fact that they have a relegation is very similar to the Premier League. You finish at the bottom, you're out. At least they have a way you can try to earn your way back in, but there's a lot of people that are going to be vying for those spots. We're talking about people that have been a part of live, potentially, and those relegated, definitely, and then those who want to be a part of it, and then the news the other day that even tour players can partake, PGA Tour players. So it is setting up for quite a bit of drama as you come down the stretch here for a whole variety of different reasons. Yeah, pretty pretty incredible. So, and I'm looking at five players who are extension eligible in the first contract extension being offered. Peter Uline was 12th, Lahiri 13th, Ortiz 15th, Bland 20th, Scott Vincent 22nd. Uh, it's it is quite remarkable indeed. Again, that was a press release that was just just came out this morning from Live Golf that we are sending to you. When we come back on the Fairways of Life show, we're going to get some of your reactions to the news that we have shared with you this morning, sound that we have played for you this morning, and more. And if we have time, I I want to reflect a little bit on TGL because we had the press sound that we played yesterday. How does that relate to? How is that similar to this? Uh, how does all of this? eventually get consumed in your reaction to the same because a lot of this, uh, it's not so much I find with Liv is being pretty forthright with, with the information that they're telling us, although I think in some parts of this, both with Liv and TGL, they're kind of learning as they go along here, but they're trying. And But I, I do like that Liv is giving us more information. We don't know all the information about the dollars when we know that the dollars are important. They've made that clear. Their purses, they've, they've made that clear. Uh, at TGL, they, they will tout who their investors are. So everyone wants to know that it's firmly established in, term of fi- in terms of the finances. But then after that, the finances tend to get a little bit murky. Uh, where are the lines with all that? What do we have a right to know? If you're going to use something as a touting it from a PR standpoint, do, do we as fans or even media or what have you, do we have a right to know a little bit more than that? Can you use it? Can you use it for promotion for your purposes without telling us what the details really mean? 
Uh, I'd like to get into that, too, and see what you guys uh, think about that and what your reactions are to it. The number one golf retailer in the land is the PGA Tour Superstore. They are number one for a reason. I think it's because of their people. You can go into plenty of places and plenty of big places that sell golf equipment, and one of the biggest ones got rid of all their pros. The PGA Tour Superstore, you are shopping with pros. You're people that are experts at what they're talking about. They know their stuff, and they're going to make sure that what you get is the very, very best. That is why it is your happy place. I guess, hello world, huh? <laughs> and with one subtle hello, Tiger began an amazing and unthinkable career. I've done it for 20 years now with, with Bridgestone. It allows me to play an aggressive style around the greens, and it's allowed me to win a lot of tournaments. Bridgestone Golf, proud to be part of your journey. Boeing Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boeing Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boeing Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boeinggolf.com. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One, zero, one. Gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The Wiz have really helped me to keep that consistent swing. You can go out there on your own and just hit balls and it'll fix your golf game. Transition on plane. The Wiz, sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com. Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! <laughs> Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. What if we started a company and the company was under no time constraints, no financial constraints? The one constraint is their clubs had to be exceptional performers and much better than any other alternative. I was told time and again, it'll never work. It worked like a house of fire. And I'll tell you what, I think our customers love it. BXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Zero Friction introduces the Wheel Pro Push Cart Golf Bag with its revolutionary three-in-one design, supportive legs that spring into action, a comfort grip handle with three locking positions, accessories for the modern golfer enhanced by seven pockets for more storage, and removable all-terrain wheels which slide right into place. The new Zero Friction Wheel Pro Golf Bag checks every box for every golfer. Push, carry, or cart, the decision is yours thanks to Zero Friction. Head to ZeroFriction.com today. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life Show. Pleasure to have your company. So, Tom, are, what are we hearing from uh, from the audience today? What what reaction do they have with uh, the breaking news we shared with Live Golf in terms of uh, it's more detail in terms of how they're moving forward. It's not breaking news in that they announced a a 
new pathway. It's giving us details on how that pathway works, which I find incredibly intriguing. And I do think it's going to set up for a lot of drama with their promotions event uh, in early December. But what are you hearing from the people in terms of what's, uh, what is triggering them today? Well, I mean, the whole thing is interesting um, with the offseason and the, the news that sort of crossed the wire. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff coming in. Uh, John writes, Matt Wolf will be traded multiple times this year. Neil says, teams playing real golf, finally, not video game golf, obviously referencing TGL there. Uh, Michael says, has Andy Ogletree earned enough official World Golf Rankings points to play on the PGA Tour? I'd be curious to know if he has an option of playing either tour. He does not because he is still not allowed on the PGA Tour. Additionally, even though he's been playing very well on the Asian Tour and in the International Series, He's not like in the top 50 in the world rankings anywhere where he would qualify for those things. He's, I think he's like 180th or something in the world rankings. Yeah, he doesn't have Even status, though he's so, won yeah. like three or four times this year. Yeah, but because of the way they do the world ranking points, he is getting world ranking points in those events. But because yeah, it's now based on strength of field and the average uh, accordingly, he's not going to earn enough points to, to really make a, a substantial move. That's the unfortunate truth about that. Sports Illustrated has golf power rankings. They combine the tour and live. I like those better than the other rankings. Greg says, Tiger and the TGL need to wake up. The only chance of making TGL compelling is if the teams, if those teams play against the live teams. Which is interesting enough. But what happens if a top 20 player, Jay Hawker says, wants to join live? Do they increase the number of teams? I think Greg Norman has discussed the possibility of increasing teams, but... Like anything mm. else, I think everything needs to align in order for that to take place. Yeah, the 12 I haven't, teams, I Dom, haven't come on, seen, how do you not know I that? haven't gotten a, a strong impression, Dom, that they're willing to go beyond their, their current structure. Well, I think there's a lot of moving parts right now. Is what I, That's the way I would say that. Dom doesn't know 12 teams telling, Neil says. The, Don't I, judge I think people most of the people math. watching think I... I I, I, well, yes, but I, I, I think a lot of the people, well, there's some other comments here that I'm not going to read, but I think everyone seems to think I dislike live like a lot, which is not the truth. That's not the truth at all. But I have problems with what the PGA Tour is doing, and I have problems with what Liv's doing. I got problems with everybody. Lots of problems. <laughs> well, there's, there's questions to be asked about what's going on with, the, with these different leagues and these different uh, entities it's the same i don't want to cut you off on what you're doing but it's the same questions that i have about tgl too which i'll if i have time uh, i'll get to here in a moment go ahead Don. oh yeah i got a million questions about all of it and, and plenty a lot of my questions are negative for all of these entities so everyone's everyone's got skeletons and issues right now i, I don't i don't i'm not skeletons. i'm not playing favorites i really i'm not uh the guys ranked 25 to 44 can be traded or dropped uh, that's true we just went over all that in the press release. The rumor is that Liv will go to 14 teams, Paul says. I never, I have not heard that rumor. Um, <laughs> Liv needs to go to 24 teams. <laughs> a draft would be awesome, Paul. Well, there's going to be a draft, so that's exciting. Uh, they need a, a Japan and Korea team, is what they're saying. I think they need more of that. The captains could buy a greater share of ownership if they choose. However... The Saudi PIF's plan is to sell their 75% stake in each team to corporate entities and private ownership. Keynesow says the teams have a balance sheet. They have their own money. Again, that's fine. If, if that, all right, let's just say that that was from Keynesow. Let's say that's 100% true. 
So the team, team crushers, GC or whatever, they've got Bryson's in charge of everything. He has 80% of the ownership of the team, and they have a team pot of money, all right? If their team pot is different than the four aces pot, and there's no salary cap, right. there's going to be a massive unfair advantage in the marketplace for when they're buying people. And that's like, I'm not saying that that should or shouldn't be allowed. I'm saying I'd like to know the answer to that question. Like, can they go and buy, try and buy John Rom, but the other people can't afford John Rom? So it's just weird to me if, how that's how that works. Why'd you say John Rom? He's not in the league. Uh, if if the two teams agree, because of the speculation, everybody's speculating. What do you? I can speculate. No, no, because I think you're confusing that if you took someone in from outside of that level of prominence, they're going to get a separate contract from Live itself. So that person coming in is not dependent upon what a team does, even if the teams are competing against each other to sign that respective player. For example, yeah, you still have a problem. If you take Matt Wolf, you still have a problem with that. If Matt Wolf is an incredible golfer, which I believe he is, but he was clearly a bad fit for Brooks's team, chemistry and otherwise, they just, they just didn't get along. So now you've got a player in the marketplace who's really good. If you've got teams fighting over that player, they can offer him certain, certain amounts of money. If there's no salary cap in place or limits or anything like that, anybody can do whatever they want. And it's easy for a team to steal another player like that. Well, it's not easy. I'm not saying that shouldn't be allowed. I'm just it's saying not easy. I don't Again, know if that's the case. two teams have to agree for that to happen. But after that, what you're talking about is just what happens in every single sport in the world. The 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 free market of going in and saying, how much can you pay me? Uh, I don't I don't see where that one that doesn't really strike me as a great mystery. The question is, how much money are we talking about? But that's where I get into that whole conversation of what do we have a right to know? And what maybe it's a bit much broader than, than even just the world of golf, but I'm trying to figure out where the lines are there. If and there's so many people doing it now, if you're going to set up credibility or interest and it's based upon purse size, and when I say interest, you're talking about players, uh, everybody that's ingrained in a particular sport, whether that be sponsors, advertisers, blah, 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 all the people. Uh, the people that buy tickets, et cetera. Does it mean something? It used to back in the day, the skins game, when somebody was putting for a one single putt that might have been for a paycheck that was the largest that you've ever heard of before. Do you still feel that way when people are putting for something? Is the is the is Does the money mean anything to you nowadays in professional sport? Where... Whether it's someone playing football or, or, or basketball or whatever it is, they, they play for so much money every game. And you could break it down into, you know, because we know how many average shots they take in a game, et cetera, et cetera, over the course of a season. You almost can break it down to how many baskets they make or how many attempts that they make. And I bet it's a lot of money for some of these top players. How deep you go down on the roster where players are still getting paid multi-millions of dollars. Right? So are we at a point where everybody's numb to the money and it really doesn't mean anything as far as, as, far as our engagement, our interest level with that, uh, which is fine if that's, if that's your answer. Okay, I respect that answer. But if you're a league, for example, like TGL, they have that, that beautiful graphic there with all the different players and celebrities who have invested in the TGL. Right. Okay, I I see it because of the variety of different people that are on that 
that graphic, it it lends credibility to the league. Some gravitas because we're saying all these people chose to invest. Okay, what does that mean? What are we supposed to do with that beyond being told that they chose to invest? I mean, on CNBC, when Tom Werner, who's chairman of the Red Sox, and Rory McIlroy were talking about the introduction of the new Boston Commons team, they were asked by the CNBC host, Tom Werner was specifically, I mean, what are we talking about here for money? Here's a little clip from that. Can you confirm, in fact, that that bid was made by, by Fenway Sports um, and how much it was for? Well, we don't really like to talk about things that are uh, in discussion. And really, we're here to talk about uh, tomorrow golf and this team. And anything that we can do to help Rory or the PGA, we're happy to offer our support. Can, can you offer up what kind of conversations you may have had with the, the PGA Tour? I mean, there's considerable interest in this story. Um, we followed it closely again since it was broken first on, the, on this very network. What, what are you willing to say about the interest that Fenway Group might have uh, in the future of the PGA Tour? Well, we, we just want to offer our support uh, creatively to uh, any of the ideas that uh, are, are welling up. But it's really up to the players to decide the direction they want to go. Okay, fair enough, but it still it still lends itself to that same question of uh, at what point do we collectively have a right to know? And again, I will fully respect it if if the collective said to me, "We don't care. We don't care." It's it's billionaires throwing around billions of dollars amongst each other. Don't care. Okay, if 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 that's it, but I just I'm just curious that. If you're using the, you know, celebrities to say there's, there's credibility here, all these people are investing. Investing what? What what do we draw from that? And it just, it just, I think, lends itself to the question of at what point can you be told something's important, we're important, we've got all this money coming in, and at what point do you have a right to say, okay, well, you're using that, you're trying to sell me on something, you're trying to sell me on a concept. What right do I have to understand what the concept is that you're really selling me? Right? Does that make sense to you, Don? This is what I'm trying to figure out with all this stuff. Of course it does. I think that, uh, you know, if you look at, like, the NBA or the NFL, we know what – you can go online right now and look at every single NBA team's roster. It tells you how many years each player's contract is, how much money they're making – it's all public. You can see all of it. You know what each player is making, who's making the most, who's making the least, how long their contract is, their restricted restricted trade clause, all this other stuff. You know, if someone buys or sells, like they like Jordan sold the Hornets, we know how much that was. But like getting the like how much did DJ get paid? It's like pulling teeth. It reported over here, a source over here, and no one's saying anything about. It. No one says anything. They don't tell you anything. Same with TGL. It's like they're pushing, well, well, what is it? Well, who's invested? How much are they investing? How much does this cost? How is this working? Well, we're not going to talk about it. Or even the question of we had, we had the players rolled out for Boston Common, right? Terrell and Adam, Keegan, Rory. What's their connection to that team? Right? Are they playing for a purse or do they get paid by the individual team? 
I'm not even asking how much. I'll, I'll even concede to say, okay, are, you're not going to tell pay, me. They are going to play for a purse. That was confirmed. There, there is right. going to be a purse. And they're getting paid to be a part of the respective team? That is, again, that, that piece of information is totally unclear. No one has said anything official or unofficial. Okay. And, and, and then, that's really frustrating. And let me ask you another question with all of this. Uh, Liv doesn't do this, but, but TGL apparently is going to. And, and just as an aside here, I'm going to back up for one second because people are comparing Liv and TGL. I don't compare the two. Liv is a golf league. I know TGL is intended to be a league, but Liv takes place on golf courses where people are hitting full shots and all the rest. It stands alone. I, I'm not I, – and again, I look at this as a buffet. That's a golf tournament. Traditional golf tournament. That's that's. It's not comparable, comparable, uh, because a lot of people look at a TGL and and they can see a hypocrisy and going. Wait a minute, you guys, you guys all made fun of the fact that we were a team competition, a limited field, a limited uh, uh, time from beginning to end. In other words, three rounds, et cetera, et cetera. And all this stuff was fodder for for laughter and waving of the hands and 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 the. The most extreme of which was was the pre-announcement coming into big events, the majors, that so-and-so would not be battle-tested and ready because they're just not playing enough. And then, oh, by the way, they contend and or win. Right? So with TGL, I don't know what it fully is yet. I'm still trying to figure it out just like all of us are. It's some combination of using modern technology. They're hoping that it's going to connect with a, with a young crowd that's really into video games and all the rest. I get it. And I am willing to sit back without judgment on the front end and go, that's stupid. Because isn't that exactly what happened already? Let's let it play itself out. And once you see it, if you then judge, well, this is stupid, I hate it, well, that's your choice. But in advance, I, I don't think that we should be treating it with any more bias than was treated unfairly before with bias when Liv was trying to announce what they were doing. If you love it, you love it. Good for you. Give it a chance. Open mind. Let's see. But there is, a, there is another thing that I'm, I'm trying to figure out with that. Like TGL is making a big deal out of the fact these different cities are signing up. We have friends in Atlanta Arthur Blank owns the PGA Tour Superstore. Good dude. Like him a lot. Great respect for him. I love his philosophy that his, his whole business philosophy is, I run these businesses so I can give back and help people. Great. Great. Noble. But you've got a TGL team that represent Atlanta. What does that mean? We had the Boston team rolled out yesterday, their press conference at Fenway Park. Are you going to fly up to Fenway Park every week and talk about your performance? Are you, are you going to do an interview on a weekly basis with WEEI? I mean, what does it mean? How does a city become vested in your particular team? Is it merely the fact that it's it says Boston or New York or Atlanta, as I was saying, et cetera, L.A., and that's enough? And you go, yeah, they're my guys now. Okay. Not sure what that means for the city. Where do you put the banner up? Right? Am I missing something here, Dom? No, I agree with most of what you're saying. Let me read some more comments here. That's the way pro sports is. You get paid if you're the ones that the team wants. That's like it is in all sports. 
Vanessa writes, the same people who scream meritocracy are the same people for the cut, a mechanism which only serves to add luck to an event. Ultimately, each team needs to be self-sustainable to stay in the golf league. What I, whoa, there's, there's a lot of stuff coming in here. Hold on a second. Let me get back to where I was. Players get by far the majority of the PGA Tour revenue. That's how they've claimed a nonprofit status for years. I don't know if that's true. That's a comment coming in. Live needs to build history for people to care. I don't like that they are playing different events next year. Liv could talk about Bryson's 58 next year if they play that course again. That would be history. Liv is going to have to have been around for 100 years to have history. Well, that's not necessarily true. The stale PGA added a fifth major like 15 years ago. Purses for Liv and the PGA Tour are over $450 million. Total revenue for the PGA Tour is not $2 billion. Cindy writes. History and legacy, this is interesting. Legolas fan says, history and legacy means so little outside of the majors because the PGA Tour has erased so much history catering to the sponsors. I don't know if I agree with that last chunk about the sponsors, Matt, but I think that first on, line, it depends on the history and legacy means so little outside the majors is very, very interesting. If well, you're talking about Michael Jordan's Bulls, you're not usually talking about his 72-win season. You're talking about his championships. If you're remembering Billy no, Casper's you're, ta you're career, talking about you're Dan Marino, who didn't, who didn't win a Super Bowl, and was he a great quarterback based on what he performed? The, when you're talking about legacy and history with the PGA Tour, and in fairness to what that individual wrote in and said with the changes, for example, the Western Open at one time was looked upon as a major championship. Right? Walter Hagen won it six times. Think about that. Add that to his 11 times. But if you're going to do that, you got to go back and do the same adjustment for everybody else in terms of what it would mean. Uh, however, even with the commercial involvement where, you know, state opens used to mean a lot more. You'd have the Ben Hogan's of the world and the Sam Sneeds of the world, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Gene Sarazen's. If you go, if you go to look at the, the history of like the, the Massachusetts open, et cetera, I can pick a lot of States, New York state. Uh, you're going to see some really big prominent names that were in there and through the currents of time. And yes, the involvement of sponsorships, et cetera, these events did not hold the prominence that they once did currently do not. However, it is still important when you do an analysis of Arnold Palmer, for example, won seven major championships. And his, we could talk, we could do an entire show on the significance of his major championships and what they meant from coming from behind uh, at the U.S. Open at Cherry Hills to literally reviving the Open as we know it today. There's, we, could, we could literally, ju that's just two pieces of, of his major championship run that I could go down and we could, and we could discuss. However, he won 62 times on the PGA Tour. During that same run and actually eclipsing the big three through in the heart of his run, Billy Casper won 51 times on the PGA Tour. He also augmented that with three major championships. You look at Jack Nicklaus and he, his 73 wins on the PGA Tour. Tiger Woods, who's credited with 82 wins 
on the PGA Tour. Interestingly enough, the same as Sam Snead, yet Sam Snead's were cut down because all of these other events that I was telling you about, at some point they looked at it and said, wait a minute. We're not going to count that one as a tour caliber win. So they brought him down to that number. Right? So what happens week in and week out? I re- and I, me- I mentioned this to you in-, in particular because I remember talking to Mr. Palmer about it. And again, he's won seven major championships, right? But if you talk to most people, they actually think he won more than seven major championships. They think he's amongst the top of the top leaders, right? Where right now you've got Jack Nicklaus, Tiger Woods, and oh, by the way, uh, you've got Walter Hagen. From there you go to uh, Gary Player and Ben Hogan who are tied. You can have a discussion about uh, with, with Bobby Jones as well and say he has 13, but now you're having a discussion about counting amateurs because they were majors at his time which gets convoluted again and it gets complicated but what I'm trying to explain to you is when I had that conversation with Mr. Palmer about wins on tour he stopped me in saying majors are important but tour wins are so hard they are important too there's a reason why we see the emotions that we see from the players when they have a tour victory any tour victory because it is so grueling and so hard. And it's not just a culmination of a work that was done on that day or that round or that week. It's a culmination of so much more. So that I actually disagree with. I believe that history does matter. Uh, in any league, it is hard to win. For example, what Taylor did this year is incredibly impressive. It is very, very, very hard to win. And the more that we learn about, again, all of the different tours, and Liv is inclusive in this. We hear from the players themselves how hard they're working and what it means to them. It means a heck of a lot. So that, that part I, I actually disagree with. I, I think we can't diminish what someone else has accomplished just because we believe that it's not as important as it once was. Is it as important to major championships? Absolutely not. They are still the top. They are the top of the vine, no doubt. But after that, I don't think you can swipe it away with a hand and say that that they're just not important. I think that's wrong. Very quickly, just to play devil's advocate to those comments. I'm not saying I disagree. I'm just saying you could make the argument that an outsider, outside of core golf, who knows who Lanny Watkins is. Lanny Watkins is not a household name because he didn't win five majors. Jim Furyk didn't win eight majors. So there's a lot of people that, like you and I and the people watching this show, know how unbelievably incredible they were as golfers over the course of decades. But those people who you see on the Metro or that sports fan you meet at the baseball game, the odds that they're going to know who Arnold Palmer is or Jack Nicklaus versus... Lanny Watkins is a gap. There's a gap there. How can you not argue? Don, the only thing there? I can say to you, and then I'm, then I'm going to move on from this thing because we got more uh, of, of a breaking news of sorts. It's not, it's not heavy, but I just want to share it with you guys before we wrap up today. Uh, the only thing I would say to that is if you, if you're going to talk to those same people, they may not know the names and I'll grant that uh, a, a sports fan at large. But if you said to any sports fan at large, do you think that someone that is 
sitting in that respective sports hall of fame had a distinctive career. I'm not even going to try to bias the question by anything more than that, but simply to say, if you've made the hall of fame for your respective sport, do you think that you had a distinctive career? The answer would be predominantly, there isn't any other answer other than yes. If you're in that sports hall of fame, whether you know my name or don't know my name, I'm sitting in the hall of fame. That says enough right there. And you literally made my argument by saying, by picking a player who's in the Hall of Fame that won one major championship. And it was a great major championship at that. But he won one time. He's in the Hall of Fame. So call it at the inside of the sport, if you want to, that gets it, that truly understands how difficult it is to do the things that these players have done and accomplished in their distinctive careers. It was good enough to get in the Hall of Fame, and that's good enough for me. All right, the USGA and the RNA have just put out a press release that just came through a couple of minutes ago. It says, USGA RNA announced 2024 World Handicap System revisions. USGA and RNA today announced the first update to the World Handicap System as part of an ongoing review of the rules of handicapping in the course rating system with a continued emphasis on accuracy consistency and equity. The latest revisions will go to an effect beginning January 1, 2024. Many countries have seen significant increases in the number of scores being submitted for handicapping purposes since the World Handicap System was introduced in January of 2020, reflecting golf's broadening appeal. More than 100 million scores have been posted each year, unifying millions of golfers through a standard measure of playing ability. The 2024 update leverages the performance data gathered from around the world in addition to feedback received from many of the 125 countries using the system. Significant updates are as follows. Inclusion of shorter length golf courses within the course rating system. The overall length requirement for course rating in the World Handicap System will be significantly reduced. A set of tees on an 18-hole course may be as short as 1,500 yards, that's 1,370 meters, to be eligible for a course rating and slope rating. And a set of tees on a 9-hole course may be as short as 750 yards. This change is intended to expand the world handicap system to thousands of shorter length courses, including par 3 courses and more golfers will be able to obtain and use a handicap index accordingly. Next, use of an expected score in a hole when not played. Improvements have been made to the method used to handle holes not played, which will now be based on a player's expected score rather than a score of net par. The new method will produce a 9-hole or 18-hole score differential that more accurately reflects the player's ability. As a golfer, as golfers across the world are playing more 9-hole rounds, an expected score can be used to convert a 9-hole round into an 18-hole score differential. For some countries, this means that 9-hole scores will be considered in the calculation of a player's handicap index immediately after the day of play rather than waiting to combine with another 9-hole score. Uh, next was playing conditions calculation adjustments made uh, it will be more frequent. The playing conditions calculation called PCC has been modified to increase the likelihood of an adjustment for abnormal playing conditions. Uh, national associations were given discretion beginning in July 2022 to introduce this revision in their computation platforms, which will be complete by April 1, 2024. You understand what they're saying there. If you played in highly adverse conditions, uh, and it could have been over the course of a period of time, say a week of a really bad uh, weather front and you 
put in a whole bunch of scores that could bring your handicap up. But they're saying, wait a minute, your handicap went up that much or these scores went up that much, which would affect your handicap because the conditions were so brutal. So that should be taken into account. That's what they're saying with that one. Enhanced guidelines for conducting a handicap review. The role of the handicap committee is vital to the success of the world handicap system. And the rules recommended that a handicap review is conducted regularly or at least once a year to ensure a handicap index remains reflective of a player's ability. New reporting tools have been developed that national associations can incorporate into their handicapping software to assist committees in conducting the review process effectively and consistently. Bottom line with that one is they're trying to consistently flesh out sandbaggers. That's simply what it is. That's what that's what they're trying to do there because uh, sandbaggers traditionally will play a round of golf, and if it's a good round, they don't submit it. And what the committees are trying to do is, just to give you some examples, is connect the tee time to the score and say, wait a minute, you played 10 rounds and you didn't put scores in for half of those. What's up with that? Right? That's what, that's just an example of some of the things that they can do. Anyway, that was uh, more breaking news that just came out on, on, on this morning. I wanted to share with you guys from the USGA and the RNA. Dom, you got anything else for me today? No, we got plenty of time to flesh all this stuff out. There's still news coming out. It'll continue to come out uh, surrounding the TGL, and I'm sure there will be more information will be coming out about Live Golf's offseason. With the press release just coming out, I have no doubt that some of the details that you and I, had, you know, we had questions about some of the fine details. I'm sure that stuff will be unfolding over the next week or so, and obviously we'll bring that to you. Yeah, tomorrow we're going to have a tour player, a PGA Tour, active PGA Tour player on the show. So very much looking forward to bringing that to you as well. This player is in the uh, in the field of the Butterfield Bermuda Championship. So I've got to record it with that player outside that window, and we'll have that for you on tomorrow's show so that we can uh, get some insights into a player, in this case, a player who's right on that cusp of the next 10, and what does that mean? The the chance to secure a spot in a signature event, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, thanks for your engagement, folks. Thank you for your passions. Looking forward to sharing it with you again. Until we are together again, be well. Goodbye for now.